Do this uh, intro, talk about some movies. Do the intro at the end. Switch it up. Can you know, <laughs> we could just play it backward. Listeners, thanks for having listened to. Yeah. For what you are about to receive, may the good Lord help By you. By the end of this. All right, let's do it. Listeners, you are... Do the jello. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we'll talk about some recently watched movies, which we'll try not to spoil. Uh, We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you could buy it digitally, or say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon-Rays. And uh, we're not professional critics. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Good evening. So guys, since we did this last, you probably watched some stuff. Couple things. Probably got really cold for a while. Not really. No, you stayed indoors. I stayed indoors. That's probably good. Got cold enough that my car wouldn't start, but yeah, you know, it was not yet the snow apocalypse. No, or other clever words that <laughs> you know, or whatever else we've had. Snowmageddon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, what did you watch? I mean, did, you were cooped up. What did you watch? I watched a new film. Uh, haven't spoken about Australia. It was an Australian film uh, called Sissy. Oh. This is uh, directed by Hannah Barlow and Kane something. Circe's. I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, <laughs> Not can I. It's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, with my hand trimmer now, it's I'm like... How did Charles Schultz deal with that? <laughs> he drew the pictures really big. Yeah, maybe maybe I have to do really big. Is anything detailed? Get it. Yeah, just come in here with a great big chalkboard. Yeah, there you go. Put it across the room so you can read it. Yeah, no problem. Um, this was a, uh, a movie about an influencer, uh, internet influencer who... Uh, promotes uh well mental health or mental health wellness Mm -hmm. um she bumps into a friend who was her best friend when they were about 11 or 12 and they haven't seen each other and they don't really say 10 15 years i'm gonna guess um although everybody in the movie looks like they're about 22 because that would be 10 years later and you're like they keep acting like they're you know it's been 30 40 years you know that they haven't seen one another 10 years doesn't seem that long to me now uh Mm -hmm. well it turns out that sissy or 
Cecilia, as she likes to be referred to now, uh, the girl she bumps into, her former best friend, uh, invites her to her hen party um, out at somebody's house. So she goes along. She doesn't want to, but she goes along. And uh, you get the feeling, well, the way they promoted it, the synopsis and things I heard, was that she uh, reunites with school bullies. And then, or when her former bully shows up, uh, she loses it and starts killing people. Hmm. That Fair basically enough. is what happens. But you never get the <laughs> sense that she was really bullied. I mean, it turns out uh, she was always kind of a psychopath, although you don't really get that sense either. Uh, nothing really gelled in this uh the acting was good it was a good first film uh you know looked good and everything the uh the gore effects could be better because they were all cgi'd so um a guy falls off a cliff and it's pretty funny because it's cgi'd but it looks as bad as if they had thrown an old dummy (laughs) off the cliff you know in a movie from 1930 (laughs) yes it is no better 1931 Okay, 1931. Yeah, well, you know, Frankenstein, they threw... Oh, that's right. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, very, very it good. looked about as good as that. <laughs> uh, you know, the dummy that uh, Buster Keaton rescues from the waterfall. Uh, <laughs> about that good? Yeah, really. Like, wow, they CG'd that, and they I think they just copied from a bad movie. Damn. Um, yeah, uh... It didn't work for me. It's getting some great reviews. Uh, it seemed to steal some uh, things from fairly recent horror movies, like turning the camera slowly upside down while she drives away to symbolize that things are going topsy-turvy. Oh. Yeah. Man, film school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, moving on. I watched one that... Uh, Jolian suggested Uh-oh. Mania. Oh, yeah. 1974. <laughs> uh, this is a manic movie. Um, as he described it last week, so much happens in six minutes, in the first six minutes, that make no sense, and then it just barrels on from there. Oh, okay. It gets a little slow at times, and you think, okay, I've seen this. She's screaming again, and then like a nude cat fight will break out. And you're like, "All right, she, I'm back into she, she this." Get caught in a net of eels, and then she gets caught in a net of eels. <laughs> okay, I'm back into it. You know, uh, there's a random shot of a face or something. Like, what is this? And then the last, uh, the last twenty minutes or so are just just nuts oh. as the first six, and you're yeah. just like, "What? What was the plot? <laughs> How did this happen? Who was that?" <laughs> Wow. Wow, I'm glad someone else saw it. Yes, yes. It's uh, <laughs> it's evidently never been released on VHS or DVD. Somebody had it mm. and dubbed it, or not dubbed it, but uh, subbed it, which uh, at times was a little fast. So you, I lost some of the plot there because uh, <laughs> I was transfixed on you know what I was seeing on the screen. And then I'm like, oh, wait, uh, what why, are they saying? What is she ranting about? Why is this woman... Not in trousers. That was, yes. <laughs> Two ladies just lose their pants at some point, and they just 
Just, that's it. Yeah, no pants. Who needs pants? <laughs> Who needs pants when you have a long button-up shirt? Yeah. It's kind of like a dress. Yeah. Did you know if somebody puts a bag over your head, you'll go deaf and mute? Well, sure. And possibly a little dumb? Yes. Um, <laughs> you see somebody be assaulted with a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen that before. Wow. Yep. Lots of firsts. Lots of firsts. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I don't know if it's the craziest Italian film horror movie I've seen. I was trying to remember the name of the one where uh, a couple end up at somebody's house and the family's nuts. But that's so vague that it mm. could be a zillion movies. Right. Um, and I can't remember enough specific details. Um, but anyway, it was definitely out there. Wow. I enjoyed it. I'm glad it was recommended <laughs> to me. Um, and then I had a triple f- feature of Swamp movies. Ooh. What did you choose? I chose Sting of Death, Florida, Everglades, uh, Return of Swamp Thing, mm. which mm. was Georgia, I believe, and then Death Curse of Tartu, which... Uh, also, Florida Everglades and first, same director as the first film. Oh. So do you think they were films at the same time? No, there were a few years between, or a couple of years between uh, Sting of Death and between Death re- Curse of the Tartu. Between okay. releases, but do you think they f- <laughs> you think they shot them back to back? No, I think there <clears throat> were probably at least a year or two between, pe- between films because uh, some of the same actors appear. And they don't have like the same haircut. They don't oh, look okay. like the same. They went a little gray. Yeah, in the two years because of the first film. <laughs> yeah, they put on they put on some weight. Yeah. Yeah, if it's Roger Corman, you can trust that they were shot like <laughs> on the, the same day, on the same day or the same weekend. Yes. Uh, yeah. What was his deal? Like he said, the perfect length of a movie was eighty-two minutes, because then the reels would fit into three cans and you wouldn't have to pay for a fourth can to ship them. (laughs) That's perfect. That's the kind of genius that Roger Corman had. (laughs) was like, you give him $2 million for a movie, he's only going to use a million. He's going to put that other million into another movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really brilliant. He's produced a hell of a lot of movies. Yeah. You know? And if you like to see people walk, (laughs) you will never find a better director than Roger Corman. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. There's always some part in his movie like, oh, here comes the walking scene. Long Get walk ready, through, 20 minutes. <laughs> long walk through Bronson Canyon. Yep. <laughs> uh, of the three, Sting of Death was my favorite. Mm. Uh, this is a movie about a jellyfish man. Mm. Um, it's quite enjoyable because it's nutty. Um, a scientist has his daughter and her friends over to his isolated compound out in the middle of the swamps ignore the power lines in some shots or roof lines of other houses and other shots we'll we'll pretend it's in the middle of nowhere yeah it's in the middle of nowhere and let me ask real quick what age are the the daughter and her friends out of college early 20s okay uh i think i know where this is going yeah uh surprisingly not quite there 
No? Uh, it didn't go quite uh, horror of, of uh, Party Beach. Okay. You know, although there were plenty of shaking asses. <laughs> um, you know, that took up a good, if you put them all together, probably mm-hmm. two minutes worth. Oh. Yeah. You know, you get a song called Do the Jellyfish mm-hmm. by Neil Sadaka that is fantastic was probably my favorite part of the movie. Definitely. Did somebody have compromising photos of Neil Sadaka? <laughs> I don't know that he had any idea what this was for. Oh, uh, okay. He was just like, hey, here's $50 for write a jellyfish song. You got 20 minutes. He, he went through, he, he had tons of hits in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And then he went through this like quiet period. And then he had a comeback in the 70s when he figured out how to do 70s style mush. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, people like the Carpenters started covering his stuff. Oh, and he was on every variety show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a th- a staple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if you didn't have uh, Paul Williams or Neil Sedaka or somebody show up, <laughs> yeah. I know you're laughing, but it's so true. <laughs> oh, oh, the variety shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a nightmare! <sighs> Picturing Paul Williams on the love boat and that little portal window that they would show at the beginning yeah i don't know why <laughs> that's stuck oh, in my head that'd be awesome if you if they did this crossover where he was the phantom yeah on the boat yeah oh yeah doing some that'd killings right yeah i'd like that yeah um i'm on uh subscribe to the horror reddit or dread it yeah um same popular uh topic is people describing like i did earlier a horror movie they saw 20 years ago with something like people go into a spooky house and something kills them and you're like motherfucker i don't that's every other horror movie ever yeah Uh, (laughs) so it's one of those tip of my tongue things well anyway the other day somebody was like i saw this this movie i'm sure it was so bad uh, but my parents would never let me rent it. It was a guy in a metal mask, and he had a a big uh, open mouth, and he was describing it. And I got it immediately. I was like, oh, I know what this movie is. But other people were describing things like, it's, you know, Faces of Death 17 versus <laughs> Jason or something. All these crazy movies. And I'm like, no, it's it's the uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. And, and he never wrote back, but I'm positive because I had seen that box for years and years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wonder what he thought because everybody was suggesting these like kind of gory or, or more slasher type films. Definitely not. No. Did you see that um, footage of Herschel Walker going on about? I band? heard about I thought, it. Well, it sounds like Fright Night, but yeah. then he throws in this werewolf. And well, they yeah. go up to an attic. <clears throat> That's not. I think he. Okay, my my feelings on this one are, he's clearly not the smartest person. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say that because, well, listen to him talk for 30 seconds, and you you would likely agree. But I think um, I think he doesn't have good comprehension or 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 pays close attention because he starts by saying he's watching on his TV these two kids watching a monster movie and a Mm -hmm. horror host on their TV. Yeah. And then what throws me is he says he's watching a stupid movie and you're waiting for it to get better and it doesn't get any better. Well, 
and then he says it's something called Fright Night or Freak Night or some kind of night. Those are the words he uses. Uh-huh. So he does blurt out that it's Fright Night. Or uh, Freak Night. <clears throat> yeah, or some other kind of night. <laughs> well, I'm hearing him ramble about this, and I didn't catch him say it the first time I watched the clip. And I went, he's describing Fright Night, but the vampire's not in their attic. Mm-hmm. He's in the house across the way, yes. like in the house next door. And if you didn't catch that by watching the movie, you're not paying any attention at all. And then the werewolf, the only thing that happens with a werewolf in the whole movie, unless he was watching, no, he wouldn't have been watching Fright Night 2, um, would be Evil Ed gets turned into a vampire who turns into a wolf. Right. But uh, he does reveal that he used to want to be a vampire, but after watching this movie, he wants to be a werewolf. This is Herschel Walker? Mm-hmm. I was, huh. I was actually considering leading into this episode talking about that and playing the clip you could still i could insert the clip uh-huh. here you could put it in the front yeah cut this bit out and put it in the front yeah okay <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work so that sounds like bill and ted oh what we have to do is remember to put a tape recorder behind the couch <laughs> well that's the great thing about time travel you would have already done it wouldn't you time bananas <laughs> time bananas uh cut that out and put it at the end so i don't have to say anything okay that sounds good uh anyway yeah uh watch it sting of death if you can find a copy all right and just a little uh, psa for the state of georgia half of you voted for this guy to the point, it's so close to the point. The that jellyfish man? I heard he didn't get any votes. I vote for the jellyfish man. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine what he could use for his campaign song. Yeah. Or it, do the jello up against YMCA. No contest. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely no contest. But when somebody... Oh, and it goes on for like three minutes. He's just rambling. It's a long walk around for him to say... But you got to have faith. That you'll be a werewolf and not a vampire. I guess. Oh, do you ever watch a stupid movie late at night hoping it's going to get better? Don't get better, but you keep watching it anyway? Because the other night, the other night I was watching this movie, I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Freak Night, or some type of night, but it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires are some cool people, are they not? But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Did you know that? I never knew that, so I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I wanted to be a werewolf. But then, anyway, as I'm watching this movie, and then you can tell how stupid it is because it's one in the morning. So I'm watching my TV, uh, these kids watching their TV, a uh, vampire kill on their TV. So you know it's kind of stupid, but I'm still watching, though. As I'm watching this show, what was funny, these kids had a vampire in their attic at their house. So they were watching their TV. Now I'm watching my TV as they're watching their TV, or they see the vampire killer on their TV. So they win this contest to bring this actor. Now, y'all got to stay with me. Bring this actor who's a vampire killer from that TV to get rid of this real-life vampire in that attic. So as this actor comes to their home, he got all the right stuff. He got all the right stuff because, you know, got to have a state and got to have a thing to, to kill him in the heart. And he got a necklace of garlic because that worked. I don't know what it does, but it worked. You got to have a cross because it burned. I know that worked. And then all of a sudden, this is what was so funny about it. As they're walking through the house... This, this, this guy's got the holy water. He's blessing the house, this actor. Now, he's all fake. 
He blessed the house with his holy water. They walked upstairs in this vampire looking real good in this black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnock, doesn't it? Looking all good in this black suit. Floated from the ceiling. He floated from the ceiling looking good and cool. And I'm thinking, whoa, they better get out of that house. If somebody float from your ceiling, get out of that house. That's, that's not your house. But as he floated from the ceiling, the kid jumped behind that hero. As they jumped behind that hero, the guy jumped in front of him with this holy water, threw it on the vampire's forehead. He covered his eyes. Then he took his hand away. He started laughing. And he said, that don't work. He took the cross, he put it on the vampire's forehead. And the vampire didn't even do anything. He said, that don't work. And that's the way it is in our life. It doesn't even work unless you got faith. It is time for us to have faith. We got to have faith in our fellow brother. We got to have faith in this country. We got to have faith in, this, in the elected officials. And right now, that's the reason I'm here. Uh, so what else did you watch? Uh, well, as I said, Return of Swamp Thing, because... I hadn't seen it in a zillion years, and yeah. Jim Wynorski directed it in, like, probably two days, it looks like. Hmm. Um, it's pretty terrible and boring. So it was I l- thought it was going to be... Yeah, I, I don't remember anything about it. It's totally... There's some good creatures that the mm-hmm. Dr. Arcane has made, mutants in his basement. Uh, they spent... A decent amount of the budget on those, I believe. They look pretty good. Hmm. Um, that's it. That oh. is the only thing this movie has going for it. Uh, Heather Locklear is, I don't know, just not a good actress. She's not a replacement for Adrian Barbo. No, certainly not. <laughs> um, I don't know if she's trying, because it was sort of comedy anyway. I mean, that's what they set out for. Hmm. So I don't know if she thinks she's on a sitcom i don't know her acting is off everything's off it's terrible uh almost as bad as the death curse of tartu uh a william grief graf griffey yeah oh yeah graf uh el griffey el griffey uh this is a swamp mummy uh revenge tale that we've all seen a zillion times uh I saw a movie where some kids go into a, into a swamp or or some sort of wetlands and a mummy kills them. Oh, dude, you got to give us more details. That's, that's like 15 movies I can think of just now. Uh, yeah, uh, other than the fact I like that the, the, the actual lead was uh, Native American and uh, ends up with White Girl at the end. Oh, interesting. Which what, was... What year was this thing? 1967. Wow. Yeah. And they don't... I don't know. They don't ever present any of the Indians. <clears throat> that, well, the kid at the beginning is a little how, you know, broken English stereotype uh-huh. speak. And you're like, mm, I don't know if this is going to be any good. But once the uh, forest ranger or park ranger shows up, it's a native, they treat him just okay. They don't... There's nothing terribly egregious. I won't say there's nothing there because they're still there. It's always there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was about the only positive for the movie. Most of it was pretty dull. Hmm. Um, yeah. Less about that said the better. <laughs> Wrap this up quick. I have one more. I watched Hack a Lantern because <clears throat> it's it? like two weeks after Halloween. So yeah. Timely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a 1988 film uh, where a 
I won't say kindly, weird grandfather figure is a Satanist. And his oh. grandson grows up to be a Satanist, sort of. And there's somebody running around killing people in a devil mask. And mom's nuts. Uh, it's, it's just not good. <laughs> it's not very memorable either. So it's, I, it's not as good as it sounds? No, I thought it sounded like it might be great <clears throat> trash that, you know... Uh, it sounded, the description sounded a lot like trick or treat. Mm. I was like, mm, okay, but there, there is a part where the satanic grandson, it's a good band name, satanic grandson, oh, yeah. uh, or a wheat strain. Uh, <laughs> there is a dream sequence where the satanic grandson plays a guitar as a band, but I don't count a dream sequence as, you know, no. turning into a satanic heavy metal rock star or something yeah my own dream sequences haven't meant anything to my real life so people in the movie can't have it either except that time i dreamt up the winning lottery <clears throat> numbers and didn't play them uh, that's the worst that was it that was it jo except uh this week's yeah feature. well yeah that obvious thing Julian, what about you? Uh, in the last two weeks, um, apart from personal misadventures, uh, the Bernie Wrightson tribute book came out. Nice. And um, Mondo Macabro is releasing the Bollywood box set. I think start of next, start of December. But I did the booklet cover for that, and uh, and also the. Um, uh, Japan Arts Network is doing their uh, interactive drama thing, Zoto, Z-O-T-T-O, -T -T mm -hmm. at uh, Sakura Square downtown. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so I did the illustrations for that, and we had a preview last weekend. Nice. You know, people dressed as various creatures, like Kappa. The Kappa's very good. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they lead you through all these rooms, telling the story of, you know, the usual... Um, generational conflicts, etc. And, mm -hmm. ah. um, and, and there's a lot about the um, uh, the local concentration camp was Campamachi. Yeah, out in the desert. So there's, there's a lot of that in there. So yeah, you get some strong stuff in there. Um, I'm not into interactive dramas. Mm. Um, I don't see why I should pay money for me to perform. <laughs> that's that's like those places uh restaurants where you go in and they make you cook your own food oh you're like why i could fuck up a steak on my own at yeah. home and you have to pay and you have to pay oh no yeah watching yeah. some restaurant countdown for steakhouses there was one you're like you go in and there's a big grill in the center of the room and you choose your cut of meat and then grill it all right i can i can see a Jeffrey Dahmer walking in with a sack. Mm, no outside food, please. <laughs> okay. We have body parts here for you to choose from. Properly dried, aged, perfect. Mm -hmm. Take the meat, it's the humanity. <laughs> All right. Um, I saw a new movie as well as you did. So we've got it covered on this show. Excellent. Uh, the Invitation. Oh, okay. Um, just get in Thompson. Uh, this is like early creepy plot number one. 
you know, they turn out to be vampires. You can tell all this from the trailer. You can tell everything that's going to happen from the trailer. Mm. Um, so uh, Wilman is invited to New Carfax Abbey in Whitby, Yorkshire. Uh, Lord of the Manor. Dr. Acula? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> the Lord of the Manor is Lord Deville. Okay. So. Not even Alucard? No. <laughs> um, so it's filmed in Hungary. Um, it's fine beginner's horror, you know. As I say, you've got everything Everything you need to know is in the trailer. Uh, stars Natalie Emmanuel, um, Thomas Doherty, and Sean Pertwee playing a butler again. Uh, he was Sergeant Wells in Dog Soldiers. Oh, okay. And um, if you want to see a good movie called The Invitation, see the one from 2015, directed by Karen Kusama. Not the newer one? Nope. Okay. Yeah, and you can skip it. And if if you've not seen any horror apart from what you can find on CW, then oh. this is for you. Oh, but okay. Yeah. Anyone who's seen more than two horror movies, don't bother. Um, let's see. Uh, so uh, here, here's here's a classic: Voodoo Black Exorcist. Oh. As you might imagine from the title, it's a mummy movie. Well, yeah. 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 Is it in the Everglades? <laughs> Mm, part of it not a million miles uh, 1974 Manuel Cagnon um, odd in many ways uh, my favourite thing is apart from the people who are immediately in front of the camera everyone else seems to not have been told there's going to be a movie <laughs> so what happens is this thousand year old mummy in a sarcophagus is brought from Haiti onto a cruise ship yes Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, wakes up and starts knocking people off because this cruise ship, cruise ship, at least people who are aware that they're in a movie on this cruise ship, all happen to be reincarnations of the people who wronged this. Wow. Or they're the reincarnation of his long, long lost love. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> um, you can see the cameraman in a mirror. And it's not just a mirror in the background. It's the mirror that the mummy happens to be smashing some poor git's face into at the time. Um, there's a Spaniards in blackface. Ooh. There's a death by steamroller. Uh, death by mirror smashing. Um, head rolls. Eye rolls. <laughs> oh, yes. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's uh, so so weird and crazy. Um, let's see Challenge of the Devil from 1963 Giuseppe Vegetti uh, another is... mummy movie I'm no guessing. but it's got a guy who played a mummy <laughs> oh. uh, Christopher Lee is in it um, this is filmed as Catarsis but the production company went bankrupt <laughs> so it was bought by another production company who then lopped out 20 minutes or so of it and stuck another few reels in so this movie starts off with these cabaret acts and you see one after another and you see the entire act. Um, I don't know if they hoped to make these people into stars, but first you get this like a couple of this couple who do this kind of rumba. And then you get this poor vocalist woman who's, who's doing this kind of sixties. Yay. Yay. Pop tune. <laughs> she gets through the tune and then walks off silence. It's just crickets. Oh, <laughs> oh. 
there Awkward. yes there's a guy in uh in in hack a lantern they they stop what little movie they have to give i don't know two three minutes to a bad steve gutenberg kind of stand-up act who does some bit about turkey on thanksgiving or i don't mm. know it's it's just hacky and and terrible and it just stops the movie dead yeah. like is this the director's brother-in-law who is this loser well the next act after her is this woman who comes on and she's wearing this big like feathery sort of rio carnival outfit and she's she does this kind of shimmy thing and uh she she looks uh, a lot more like edith massey than kelly monaco um she's uh there's a very unflattering description of her on IMDb, which I won't repeat here. But <laughs> uh, So anyway, that's all over. And then you get this flashback told by this monk about when he was a tearaway kid, i.e. you know, late 20s. Half a dozen of his friends go to this castle and uh, they... They're, they're all drunk when they get there and then they find there's this table laid out for them with all this food and drink on it so they get even more wasted then Christopher Lee turns up and he's this old man who lives in this castle and he says that his wife is in the castle somewhere but he can't find her so he says if they go and find her I'm having to pass this from some really weird subtitling <laughs> okay. not by not written by someone who could speak English particularly well <laughs> but anyway it's so they so he says, if they can find his wife who's somewhere in this castle, <laughs> they can have everything. And he he just wants his wife back. Okay. Sounds reasonable. Yep. So they're so wasted, they think this is reasonable. Um, no offense. <laughs> and um, so they go off traipsing around this castle. And uh, this castle is represented by these three black walls. One of them's got a doorway in it, which is covered in fake cobwebs. And they just go round and round. Uh, it's very nicely lit, but it, it's just like Edward would think, wow, what a great set. Um, there's a googly-eyed spider who keeps turning up. Um, there's a woman who's in an, inside a clock before Jean Roland did it. Um, and the uh, and Christopher Lee gets younger at one point. Is he the devil? Not sure. But he's also the motorist that they beat up just before they get to the castle. Uh, They go into a a room where there's all these plates of glass that stood up and somehow that drives them all mad. They just go crazy. (laughs) As one would. Yeah, because the subtitles say they do. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, so I I enjoyed this one. It's just so, just another really weird one. all right, I saw a Roger Corman movie. Oh, excellent. Which one? Uh, Rock All Night, 1957. Wow. That's a... uh, so it's one of those rock and roll movies in quotes because there's no rock and roll in it. It's it's always easy listening pop. And yeah, it's... it's uh, I wish I don't mind, but, you know, it's billed as rock and roll. Yeah. Um, so they, there's this bar called the Cloud Nine, and because it's Roger Corman, you can bet that 95% of this movie is in this one room. Right. Uh, sometimes you get the exterior door, but it's mostly inside this bar. Um, you got the Corman All Stars, fabulous cast. Dick Miller, there's lots of Dick Miller. Nice. Barbara Morris, completely wasted. 
uh, Mel Wells, Jonathan Hayes, Russell Johnson, Ed Nelson, Bruno Vesota. Uh, you get two numbers by the Platters at the start. Uh, there's a band called the Blockbusters who play the nearest thing you get to rock and roll. In it. <laughs> <laughs> there's this, there's this uh, girl who who turns up at the bar and she's supposed she wants to job as the singer at this bar. I thought wouldn't it be funny, you know, because normally in this movie she she like gets up on stage and knocks everyone dead and she goes into asylum. Wouldn't it be funny if she turned out to be terrible? And she does. Gets up on stage and everyone's like cringing. She's hitting all these flat notes and stuff. And uh, and Dick Miller's like, he's he's this like this cynic who's sitting at the bar and he's just like tearing a hole in everyone who's who walks in. And he's just like ripping her up. It's really awful. But but then uh, then um, you know at some point these crooks come in and hold everyone hostage. But yeah, rock all night. Night fifty-seven. All right, good stuff. And then uh, some more Giallo, um, French sex murders. French don't, sex. Don't murders. know that one. Um, this has got Barbara Bach, Salvinari. Yes, French an animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes place in Paris mostly. You know, it starts off at this brothel. So, and it being a Giallo brothel, the the women at the brothel are like Barbara Bach, Salvinari, Anita Ekberg. You know. The, yeah. Um, nothing like actual whores. And um, you've got uh, Howard Vernon is in it. Um, this is set in December 1971, so it's a Christmas movie. Ooh, very um, nice. <laughs> uh, so a prostitute is apparently killed by a deranged Vietnam vet. And at his trial, he swears revenge from beyond the grave and uh, attacks everyone, uh, you know, after he's after he escapes um people who were involved in his trial start getting knocked off okay it's that plot uh. um but is it madame colette is it uh, randall the brothel uh, researcher brothel researcher that's what i told my wife <laughs> so this guy he spends the whole movie in this brothel talking to the madame and he says he's like researching brothels and he has no idea how they work. He's just—he's supposedly putting together his this his this book that's going to make him famous. And he turns up, and he he has no idea. They didn't have wait. Any, they didn't have Yelp yet. You're selling no. sex here? Is that what I thought? You made broth here, like for soup. Aren't these women cold? Why are they dressed that way? Um, there's Theodore, the head collecting professor. There's uh, Inspector Fontaine, the Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart impersonator. For some reason, makes sense. If you really don't think about it. Um, there's Theodore's psychic daughter, Leonora. Um, two heads roll. You've got a soundtrack by Bruno Nicolai. Well, all right. Yeah. Wow. Um, if you like sleazy jello, there you go. Who doesn't? Wow. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think I think that was it. Oh, okay. Um on Will's recommendation, and uh, just because I've heard other good things, uh, we started watching Reboot, which uh, it's a TV series on Hulu. And as you mentioned on a previous show, this is about some people who've been reunited to do a reboot of their early 2000s sitcom. Everybody's older and... Wiser. Maybe not wiser. <laughs> and... Uh, it's uh, it's really funny to watch the dynamics in the writer's room. I think that's the best part of it. Yeah. I like the stupid kid because 
everything he's good at he learned on one of his movies yeah there's some stupid thing like teen doctor yeah (laughs) oh yeah i studied medicine for my role in teen doctor (laughs) yeah yeah he's played a pilot a doctor he's played all these like doogie hauser like roles yeah yeah it it's really kind of cool because you know, you're you're watching this show being remade, and there's all this conflict, as you mentioned the 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 big the big reveal that happens at the end of the first episode or somewhere in the second episode is that the they bring in the original um, director, you know, writer, showrunner, showrunner. Yeah, they they bring him they bring him back, uh, which they shouldn't, and he's supposed to share the duties with the, the new showrunner who, as it turns out, is his daughter. Yes. His okay. strange daughter. Yep. And he's real hacky, very hacky. But what's funny about this is, you know, the way they play off of each other and what happens in the writer's room is that it turns out sometimes hacky works. Yes. You know, it's a proven formula. And so it's kind of fun. You know, that, it is. That, that yeah. part of it. I love the old writers versus the new writers. Oh, that's, that's really good. Some of those scenes are so funny. Yeah. And, uh, of course, everybody's so dysfunctional and, and sort of uh, almost disenfranchised as they're coming back in to redo this thing. Yeah. So, which is probably why they all said yes. Sign back on exactly. for it. Because things aren't going great in their Nobody's life Nobody's doing well. No. So that's been a lot of fun. We're about four or five episodes in. I watched Monstrous, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on on either of the two movies I'm going to talk. Well, there's three movies I'm going to talk about. Monstrous is a Christina Ricci vehicle Mm. um, billed as a supernatural thriller uh, directed by Chris Sivertson. Sivertson? Um, I don't know anything about this director. Uh, The basic plot of this is a woman who's in an abusive marriage takes her kid and gets the heck out of, I I think it was Phoenix in the context of the movie ends up in um, California on a property. She's renting from this somewhat older couple. And there's a small lake on the property or near the property. And some things go wrong. You know, the kids shouldn't be messing around by the lake and everything is very stylized, very 1950s. And it's almost like Pleasantville levels of, you know, that kind of saturation. And uh, there's a big twist, of course, as you might expect in some of these movies. But the biggest problem I have with the movie is that for the most Christina part... Christina Ricci's in it? No, I like her. It's, it's just, it's, I'm sure she's lovely, but... Often I find if she's in a movie, it's not going to be good. Well, they've, they've probably built it around people who are obsessed with her. It's like, well, we got to just put her in the middle of this and make her shiny and pretty. And then, you know, all, all these creepy guys will watch it and that'll be plenty of a viewing audience. Uh, I could be wrong, but, you know, look at Mark Ryden's work, you know. Yes. Uh, so the movie is really nonsensical and sometimes dull and it it kind of lost me along the way and in it, its big reveal you know like there's a twist and a big reveal and whatever that just by the time it came she was around, a ghost she died the night before the movie started i wish that would have been it. that wasn't it. people are the real monsters <laughs> yes is that it 
uh, yeah. Maybe the monsters were the friends we made the, along the way. The monsters are the real people. <laughs> monsters are the real people. Uh, I watched Ghost in the Graveyard. This is from 2019. Oh, I forgot to mention Monstrous is like new. It came out earlier this year. Blimey. Yeah. Um, Ghost in the Graveyard. This Ghost one, in the Graveyard. What a title. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, <laughs> Sounds it's like a, a Screaming Lord Such song. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> There's a name I haven't heard in a million years. It's it's a uh, it's a children's sort of tag slash hide and seek mm-hmm. game. Um, finally, someone named a movie this. Uh, this one, I'm just going to be clear. It it looks like people who don't know how to make a horror movie were tasked with making a horror movie. Oh dear. And they had to do some spooky imagery and some weird uh, contrivances for the characters to do. Gary Busey is in, or sorry, Jake, Jake Busey. Sorry, Jake. Uh, yeah. Apologies. He's used to this. Yes. Apologies <laughs> to Jake. Gary Busey Jr. is in it. <laughs> oh. Um, what's the best way I could say this? How about if I just give you some user reviews? Okay. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll read some of the titles and if it really merits it, I'll read some, a couple sentences out of them. Uh, this one says the potential was there, but it wasn't utilized. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Um, painfully dull. Uh, <laughs> how did this even make it out of the <laughs> editing room? Um, embarrassing excuse for a horror film. Uh, okay. Um, a three star rating is being very kind. I'll read this one. A film that actually starts off with some promise and then quickly fell away contains little tension, horror, or even a strong story. It's such a routine movie. It drags you right through to a very unsatisfying ending. Actually, the more I dwell on it, the I'll be a bit meaner and give it two stars. (laughs) Does not scare or inspire me in any way. Uh, someone said very forgettable. Someone else said, uh, dog poo in the graveyard. (laughs) Brilliant. So I, I should just, uh, I should just leave it at that. It's, it's not good. I recommend then. You know what? I think more people should watch it. And then let's get a sequel for, I don't know if this was for mind bleach or what. Dog dog poo in the graveyard sounds more interesting, actually. Dog poo in the graveyard. It does, doesn't it? Pixar. Halloween movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghost dog with ghost poop. Yeah, poop has googly eyes. Oh, no. And then we decided to uh, give this thing a chance. There's a new uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Ryan Reynolds thing called Spirited, and it's obviously a twist on the Scrooge story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen that before. Um, yeah, you know, this is a very different twist, but then it's fully like Broadway musical through most of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I would say going into it, be prepared. There's going to be a lot of big song and dance numbers, but as, as much as I don't care for these kinds of things, yeah, I was pretty entertained throughout. Well, um, Mark Gattis has just done a stage version of Christmas Carol, which the, they've done a film of. Oh, in the UK, and he's done another um, Ghost Stories for Christmas for, Ooh. The, for the BBC. Very nice. cool. So it's another M.R. James story. Don't know what it is yet. Oh, excellent! That'll be interesting. There was a werewolf movie last year called The Cursed. Have you seen that one? Ah, uh, The Cursed. You're into I... werewolf films? Yeah, or 
the lack thereof. Yeah, um, and there's one coming out next year, and I can't remember who's doing it, but someone. <clears throat> hmm. So this is this is a movie from last year. The cursed. The cursed. Oh wow. Okay, I just pulled this up on my computer. Um. You've got. In rural 19th century France, a mysterious possibly... Yeah, it's kind of follow-up to Brotherhood of the Wolf. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Um, supernatural menace threatens a small village. Okay. Interesting. Um, what did you think of it? I, I've not seen it. I was just wondering if you had... Oh. I, I saw some reviews of it today. Wow. I'll check it out. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking to see if it says where it's available, but... Uh... Also known as the original title is Eight for Silver. Yes. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, I'll try to. Uh, I'll try to get on that. So enough about recently watched. Um, oh yeah. By the way, um, Spirited. I can't say I don't recommend it. <laughs> if you're if you want if you want some like Christmassy thing that isn't something you've already seen, here's a new one. All right. Okay. If you like the Will Ferrell stuff and the Ryan Reynolds stuff, yeah, you get them both. Can Will Ferrell sing? He actually can, uh, and pretty well, all things considered. Okay. You know, he's a comedic kind of dude, but he can carry a tune. All right. And he can belt out some of those, you know, big Broadway-sounding notes. No. Oh. The musical bit made it sound more interesting than... Than the holiday bit or the Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds bit. Well, yeah, the fact that uh, I think no, more movies need musical yeah. segues, songs by Neil Sedaka, <laughs> right? So, guys, so <laughs> we watched the brand new Dario Argento uh, directed and co-written Dark Glasses. Which, uh, its Italian title was Black Glasses. Came out last year. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, it's listed as this year, but I think it's original release. No, no, the release says, uh, 2022 for Italy as well. Huh. So it is. The credits said 2021. Hmm. Well, it's probably when they filmed it. Copyright. Yeah, Yeah. copyright. Um, So do we go by release date or copyright date? We usually go by release, theatrical release. So, Which country? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we played Berlin Fest, Film Festival. Oh yeah, yeah. This this is uh, exactly ninety minutes. Perfect. So before we say anything else about it, it's a perfect movie. Yeah, exactly ninety minutes. Should have been eighty-two. Right, mm-hmm. so you could fit I'm, in three I'm gonna, cans. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, cut off those eight minutes. Now it's got to be eighty-two minutes. Right. I bet you if you added up the lead-in. You know, there's like 10 different production companies that have to stick their logo at the beginning of every movie now. Oh, yeah. If you lop that off and the credits at the end, mm-hmm. it's probably eight minutes. <laughs> probably. Yeah, there were a lot of production companies yeah. funding this. Or... In association with such and such releasing company, oh, a blah, yeah. blah, blah production. Right, right. If in association with. an independent movie, yeah, you get yeah. tens of those. Yeah, it's crazy. So... This is Argento's first effort since his Dracula mm-hmm. movie. Do we call that a movie? <laughs> Dracula 3D. Was that 2012? That's the one with Rutger Hauer. 29. 2009. Yeah, it, was, it was 10 years ago or so, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So he... Was he in director's jail? 
as they call it. Like when someone really blows it and no one will hire them for years. (laughs) People in the business call it director's jail. It may be. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's in the music business and I asked him, who the hell let Nickelback out of band jail? Because they've popped up on my radio a few times lately. And I'm just like, what is going on? Why? I don't know. Are they oldies now? Probably. Are people nostalgic for this? Yes. (laughs) People are nostalgic for everything. Uh, Even stuff that hasn't happened yet. Right. (laughs) Um, Nostalgic for the future. Yeah. So this is the first effort in 10 years. Yeah. 82 years old. Yeah. What'd you guys think? I liked it. You did? I didn't think it was the best thing I'd seen, but... It was such a step up from Dracula 3D <laughs> and uh, Sleepless. Uh-huh. Although Sleepless started well. Uh, yeah. And anything since maybe opera. Right. So he's been in jail for a long time, uh, escaping on occasion to release some terrible new thing. So I was really, really surprised. Now, if you're a... If you're a, an Argento fan and, and you're, you're like bracing yourself for disappointment, but you've got your hopes up for something good and this shows up and some critics might say it's just serviceable or some crap like that. Uh, serviceable is a big step up from Dracula yes. 3D. Yes. I was just right? going to say, you know, I was never at any point bored with this movie. Right. We got through it pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and serviceable is fine, you know. I don't think, you know, this didn't break any new ground or anything, but just to see something from Argento that wasn't actual absolute dog shit was, was fun. Right. Jolene, did you have similar feelings? Yeah. Yeah. Like you were just ready for it to be either stylized good Argento stuff or... Hopefully not. Yeah, I've I've come not to expect it to be stylized. Um, but you know, if he he turns in a reasonable crime film, exactly, that's fine with me. I thought, yeah, the best uh, soundtrack he's had in mm-hmm. probably since Tenebrae. Yeah, I was getting some Goblin vibes here and there from this. Yeah, it was it was pretty good soundtrack. I got, I got some Carpenter vibes from parts of it. Um, I really like the... The John Carpenters? <laughs> yes, the John Carpenters. <laughs> uh, the beginning with the, the eclipse. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was just mysterious and it doesn't make any... doesn't relate doesn't, to the rest of it at all. But you don't know that at the time. It does not tie in. You're going to no. you're gonna wonder when you watch that opening sequence, like, is, is this going to do something to people? Are they going to get weird? Yeah, but it was just like... Um, you know, there are several callbacks in this movie. Like there's the blindness you get from Cat Nine Tails and uh-huh. um, Suspiria. Um, you know, you get the dog attack from Suspiria. Suspiria. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the, that beginning where it's just like the modern architecture and the people standing around is like, oh yeah, this is, uh, you know, uh, one of his major influences was Antonioni. Uh-huh. And he'd have all those shots of architecture, but shot in such a way that it's you know weird and oppressive and something yeah. s- s- mystical going on. Yeah, and... I didn't know what they were doing at first no, when they first showed like... him. I 
thought the little screens they hold up were uh, were their phones. Mm-hmm. It's like, are they recording something? What is going on? Yeah. And they quickly realized, oh, it's the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Man, <clears throat> if it, for the rest of the movie being like that, wow. Yeah. But no. No, but, it, it gets pretty. But then then it was like, um, you, know, you get that, that murder, which is pretty. Pretty brutal. Yeah, awful. Okay, all right. He's 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 back in that furrow, uh-huh. and then uh, and then it turned into a like movie about characters. Yeah, which is probably the most shocking thing to me. It's like, yeah, he's just like interested in these people. I uh, didn't think the acting was pretty, you know, great from everybody. No, um, Aja was good. And, yeah, um, she wasn't exploited. Yeah, she wasn't being you know the loud, flashy. Character Naked. she normally is. <laughs> um, yeah, she's been this kind person. <laughs> yeah, um, let her do some acting. It's just like, oh, here's, here's two or three people you care about, and something horrible is kind of lurking, but you're not gonna. He's not gonna show up again for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not. He's, there's no set piece murder every ten minutes or so, which yeah. will disappoint. You know, if you're if you're expecting that, but yeah. You know, um, the, uh, I'm just going to spoil it. The dog does not die in this, right. which I did not very believe would happen. Cool dog, very heroic dog. Not yes, the dog even Not to watch any day. dog I've ever had. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was concerned for that dog. Yeah, if, and, I was, if I was captured by a maniac and I depended upon my dogs rescuing me, then I'd be dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow, that's not going to help. <laughs> just yeah. just not going to help. Yeah. Might, might lick my fingers and run away, but that's as far as they'll go. Right. <laughs> um, do you say uh, Garrett or Garot, the strangling instrument? Garot? Garot. Garot, okay. I, I used to hear some people say Garot, but... So these this garroting that happens, um, I read somewhere that it was supposed to be a cello string. Do they tell you that in the context of the movie? Because if they did, I missed it. Didn't I didn't get that context? But yeah, piano wire. Yeah, I always I always think of piano wire. So maybe that's another um, typical thing is a cello string. Yeah, um, in the we invitation, know how murderous cello players are. In the invitation film from this year, she picks up. Because she's like a, a ceramics artist, and she picks up her cutting wire, and just like lops people's limbs off, you know, no, no problem. Wow! Like <laughs> through butter. Yeah. Attack of the butter people. Uh, yeah, uh, the the um, the murderer is uh, wearing black gloves, which is you know, of course. Thankfully, you know they you know we're not trying to uh, steer away from. I mean. Better way to say it is just let Argento play the hits. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be better if he's allowed to play the hits or if he allows himself to. And uh, yeah, we got black gloves. Um, There's nothing wrong with the tropes. No. They can get old, but you know, the reason they work. The reason they become tropes is because yeah. you, know, you do them a bunch for whatever reasons. Um. So this one, uh, this one killing with the, um, uh, I'm going to say piano wire too, because I don't believe this is a cello string. Uh, this, this is a, the latest in a string of murders where sex workers are the victims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And watching the movie all the way through and then thinking about it, um, 
I feel like the, the, the sex workers are not poorly treated from the writers. They're poor, yeah. obviously they're poorly treated by the murderer. Yeah. Um, but, but as, as the writing goes, they're not just these objects, you know, to be dispatched. They actually are allowed to have a story or some personality before they're killed or in the case of one of them actually survive and prevail. Uh, that's kind of a nice, especially coming out of Italy, that's kind of a nice thing to see that, you know. When, yeah, this is positively progressive. Do you think it's from Italy? <laughs> yeah. Did you notice that the, the, one of those kind of gross uh, um, customers of one of the sex workers looks kind of like an Italian Ted Cruz? No. <laughs> yeah. But I try not to think of Ted Cruz. Yeah, I try not to either. But uh, yeah, that was interesting. So uh, what did you think of the acting as far as uh, our main characters? She's okay. I mean, yeah, she was okay. Do you Nothing think, to write home about. Do you think Although she, I think she did pretty well as a blind person for... Not actually being one? Yeah. For her movements, you know, in a room she doesn't recognize... She seemed to do pretty, act fairly believably. Yeah. You know, bumping into stuff and whatnot. Um, running through the woods, maybe not so much, but. Yeah. Uh, it didn't bother me. Nobody's acting in this really bothered me, but I'm not always going to a jallo for, you know, Oscar caliber acting. Yeah. It's kind of the same, Jillian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's, uh. It's hard because I want um, uh, this character, Diana, who's played by Elenia uh, uh, Pastorelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want her to sell it a little more than, you know, as far as the the struggle. You know, I, I feel like she accepted this new condition a little too readily, a little too easily. I think she should have been a little more maybe frustrated or angry or sad about it. But other than that, that might have gotten in the way of the story. I don't know. I was going to say, we only have 90 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Movies, you usually have a trauma and then they're just move on with them. Unless it's focusing on that actual trauma. It's, you know, oh, well, I lost my eyesight. (laughs) Did you you believe the boy would get on board with her that easily, that well? Uh, Considering that she's... In the vehicle that kills his parents? Probably not. not but, but it's not her fault, but... Again, it's a movie. I mean, <laughs> I'll accept quite a bit for a movie, you know. Space Wizards, for example? Space Wizards, talking robots, you know. Uh, yeah. All of the weird stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully invested in werewolves. Yeah, there you go. You know. So I guess so. I, I can't say that some little kid being able to get on board that easily is any harder to believe than a werewolf. Yeah, you know. Uh, he could have been a little, I don't know, this was, you know, peak Argento. He could have been weird or, you know, she could have been blinded by the eclipse. We could have done a lot of things different, but for what it was, yeah, again surfaceable 
It needs to keep. Means I got served, right? right? <laughs> that is a funny word to use for a movie, considering the content. It wasn't terrible. It was serviceable. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes I want Wendy's. I didn't go to this thinking I was going to get flame mignon. Yeah, I've said that almost same thing several times. I always used to say that Roger Ebert would, you know, it's it's like he's going in every hamburger joint thinking he's getting a fillet. But I disagree with that. If you really read Roger Ebert's reviews, he has a quote that he's like, you know, you compare movies to other movies in that genre or that style. You don't compare, you know. Uh, dark glasses to the bridge over the river Kwai or something. You know? Right. They're they're not doing the same thing. They're not attempting to do the same thing. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty fair. Yeah, that probably in this case. Um, so one one of the reviewers I read said that uh, you know the killer is absent from the movie for a little while and then comes back into it. Uh, chasing Diana and Chin and they have to run through the forest and land in a pit of snakes for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the, that's the most <laughs> wacky scene. That is. Yeah, well, that was great. That, that was the giant mantis of this movie. Right. Uh, this reviewer said this may, this may not be the silliest scenario that Argento, who co-wrote the script, has ever worked with, but it might be the laziest uh, I don't know about laziest because you know that someone's gone to a lot of trouble to do CG snakes and etc. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that that seems like that take a lot of time and effort to do. But well, I, I think he, what he's saying is it was just lazy writing to just like send them on the run and then fall into something dangerous. That's yeah, but just do a pit or a bear trap or something. If this was made yeah. in the '70s, those would have been real snakes. <laughs> if it had been made in the '60s, it would have been quicksand. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's quicksand in the death curse of Tartu that's clearly just water with oatmeal oh. sprinkled on the top. Ver- they didn't even have money for vermiculite. No. <laughs> they used oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> then the cast had to eat it afterwards. It was that poor of a production. Craft services scooped it up. <laughs> yeah. With pool skimmers. Oh, God. Um, how did you feel about the killer being uh, revealed so early in the movie. Um, like the halfway point. Yeah, I was fine. It wasn't really concerned with who, who it was. done it. No. <laughs> no. And I didn't know who he was anyway once they showed him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, why is he after her? Because she said he was smelly. So, yeah. So you forgot his <laughs> nearly forgettable scene? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I totally. guess, guess that worked. Yeah. <laughs> it served its purpose as a forgettable scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you have any thoughts on who the killer might be? No, I didn't care. Cause I thought this guy that she insulted was probably the killer and turned out he was. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I'm brilliant for having guessed it, but I totally guessed can it. can almost figure out every CSI by the 47th minute. <laughs> not good. <laughs> right. Uh, um, the wrap up, uh, not, not to just jump to the ending, but the wrap up of the movie, uh, Argento's done some of these, I, I had a, uh, a professor, I forget what the, 
what the course even was in college, but it, it was some sort of creative writing or something like that, but it was an English, uh, course. And, uh, this, uh, this professor would refer to, you know, just kind of tidying up a story at the end as a duh ending. <laughs> I kind of felt like this was a duh ending. It just sort of like, well, I actually expected her to get her vision back by the end. And I was glad they didn't go that route. So yeah, I, f- I found myself wanting that and knowing it was a bad idea. Yeah. I was like, there was a, a shot of her at the end, near the end when she's sitting on the bench after the killer's been dispatched by the dog, and she kind of jerks, and her eyes get a little wide for a second. I thought she got her vision back right then and there, but no, that no. wasn't the case. No, I was, I was yeah. okay with that. And I'm not saying the dog mauling this guy wasn't satisfying because it totally was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there should have been more shaking from that fake dog puppet mouth. Yeah, the, it, the guy, yeah, he should have been screaming more, but uh, it was good gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, the gore effects were good. The dog puppet could have been a little more believable, but yeah. Yeah. But you, if you use an actual dog, it's just going to be licking and wagging its tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You have to crop the scene in such a way, you know. You to... Tape its tail to its leg. <laughs> right. <laughs> You have to use bobtail dogs. He's so happy to be in the scene. Dogs are terrible actors. <laughs> they really are. But they're better than Tony Danza. Yes. Um, so any other thoughts on this one? I mean, it, it, it's serviceable, serviceable or it's... It's right on the box. It, yeah. It says it serviceable. <laughs> it's, it's two stars. <laughs> It serves its purpose. A movie, yep. says Variety. <laughs> it's adequate, says RogerEbert.com. Yes. <laughs> Killed Adi- 90 minutes. <laughs> adequate Argento at its best. <laughs> adequate Argento. <laughs> but it totally is, and that's the thing. is mm-hmm. We just, I mean, we covered inadequate Argento uh, last year, I think it was. Uh, Dracula 3D. It's longer ago than that, but more like Dracula 2D. I think we may have been in the old house. <laughs> really? Even I think it may have been that long ago. It could have been. It was. Yeah. It all kind of blurs together. Mm-hmm. Kind of does, doesn't it? Um. So. Yeah. Some some of the stuff I read in one of the interviews was from a reviewer who wasn't very happy with the movie. You know, he had moments where he was happy with. You know, all those Argento tropes that we all want to see. But at the end of it all, he's like, you know what? I am a big fan and maybe I want more. But Argento's getting old. Maybe he doesn't have more to give. Maybe serviceable is as good as it gets. Yeah. And adequate Argento is who we have now. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying earlier, you know, the, the you know, Peanuts cartoons, they still got made, but, you know... Charles Schultz. Shaky line. Yeah, he had to draw him really big, so you didn't see the shaky lines when you shrunk it down. Yeah, you yeah. still see the shaky lines. It was pretty bad. It was. Yeah, it was like he was using a vibrating pen. But uh... <laughs> I'm thinking that someone gave it to him as a prank, and he never figured it out. It was the pen. He just thought his hands were super shaky, <laughs> and then they didn't want to tell him. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was such a monster. No one wanted to tell him. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what do you what are you looking forward to from Argento? In let's say he doesn't wait another ten years. I don't know. Isn't, isn't he working on another one right now? Is, I don't is know. With Isabel Lupe or someone like that. I'm not aware <laughs> of that. I don't know. I want him to get right back to work, you know. Yeah, I think he's he's got another one on the way. Yeah, he's just recently exercised all those muscles. Frankenstein 3D. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait till you see the CGI'd mantis this time. <sighs> yeah, I mean, he's he seems to kind of have it back. I think he should just keep working right now, not take 10 years off. I don't think he could take 10 years off. Yeah, there may not be... Although a 92-year-old Argento making a film might be cool. So is he around 80? Yeah, he's 82. He's 82 now. Is he? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We don't want him at 92 making movies. Maybe, I don't know. He could be a spry 92. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, Aaron Spelling was... was 112 Yeah. <laughs> when he stopped. <laughs> right. And currently Harrison Ford is 215 years old. <laughs> right. So, all in all, uh, Jolene, what do you think? Serviceable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adequate Argento? Fine, yeah. So Adequate Argento. Do you recommend it? Um, uh, Argento completist, yeah. What about someone just has a passing interest in Argento, has seen a few of his better movies, but also saw Dracula 3D? <laughs> Oof. Go back and watch the ones you, the good ones you haven't seen. Yeah. And when you get through those, watch this. Yeah. Well, he wrote it, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why it has some of that classic Argento in it. Could be. I don't know. 20 years ago is still this century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, uh, he wasn't doing anything good 20 years my, ago, really. My golden age of Argento is 70 to 81. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some yeah. people go up to opera. Yeah. but uh, I'd say, yeah, up to like 81 or so. And then there's serviceable films after that. Yeah, about serviceable opera. to, all, and to then awful. I like yeah. Phenomenon because yeah. it's goofy and weird. And there's a monkey with a razor blade. Right. Um, which... Just sells any movie. Yeah, Phenomenon, you know, most of them have got bits in it. I like. Yeah. Um, you know, card players, you know, again, serviceable little thriller. And Trauma's got some good bits in it. <coughs> yeah. Um, Stendhal Syndrome. I didn't see that one. But, uh, yeah, I <coughs> didn't like Phantom of the Opera at all. Mm-mm. You know, it makes me think of like sometimes you watch those those documentaries that are just basically a clip show and they're like, you know, the hundred the hundred scariest movie moments or whatever. And then you'll see these clips from these movies and you're like, wow, I want to see that. But then it turns out that that's the highlight mm-hmm. of an otherwise dull movie yes. or it has six or eight moments like that. But the rest of the movie just drags or the plot doesn't make sense. But the moments are great moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Argento has done some of that in his career, too. But uh, but he made Suspiria, mm-hmm. you know? Deep Red. He made Deep Red. Yeah. So, uh, Will, what about you? 
Well, yeah, I'd recommend it, like, you know, with those caveats that watch all his good ones and then uh, and then you watch this one and they go down in quality from there. Yeah. Until you get to, I don't know. I don't know. What would you say is his worst film? Dracula 3D? 3D. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, it's terrible. But uh, <laughs> Rutger Hauer looks great. Um, Cinque Giornate is coming out on 4K. I think Synapse is putting it out. Oh, so nice. people get a chance to check that one out. Uh, I'm not a fan, but um, I'll, I'll watch it again because it will have better subtitles. And they do really good work on their restorations. Usually. Well, what I've seen anyway. Yeah, I didn't like um, Strange Advice of Mrs. Ward. Oh, was it? What was the problem with it? I wasn't impressed by how it looked. And, they didn't put um, enough into it? Yeah, um, I thought commentary wasn't good. And uh, I, was, I was disappointed in that release. Yeah, if, mm. they, if they do a really good, you know, high-resolution scan and go over frame by frame and restore a movie, then, yeah, you know, you're going to get something great. But if somebody's like, yeah, Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, nobody Yeah, I love that cares. movie. <laughs> but, you know, some of it was like blurred and ugh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think we can all agree then that, uh, yeah, this is this is not to be avoided. Uh, it's not to be rushed to either. Mm-hmm. You know, watch that earlier stuff and then... Uh, and then watch it again. Then watch Dracula 3D, then watch this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Then you'll, you'll be glad that he made this. Yeah. Not another one of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, for next time, uh, Will, you had one in mind? Uh, no, I'll have to come up with something. Okay. All right, cool. Well, we'll just uh, surprise our listeners as we sometimes do with uh, the next movies we pick. And aside from that, um, listeners, thank you for listening. Time Bananas. About Is that time. from before? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>